0: Open your Bibles, Mark chapter 1, Leviticus chapter 13, open your textbook, you're at school now, so let's open it up and see what, what the author of the universe has to teach us today, let's see what the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords has to reveal to us today through his mighty word, can someone say amen? Mark chapter 1, Leviticus chapter 13, we're going to start in Mark chapter 1, uh, we're, we're on a series, and don't worry if you haven't been here, series but with individual messages, but they all connect together that we're calling Savage Savior, and I love the term Savage, we're using the Urban Dictionary definition, Uh, savage is uh, courageous to the point that other people think that you're crazy. Are you crazy? That's the savage part, or someone who is unconcerned about the consequences of their actions, and that's what we're introducing to you through this study of the book of Mark, and we're going through the book of Mark kind of one story at a time. We may not cover every detail through the book of Mark, but we're progressively going through the book of Mark, and we're learning about our savage Savior, To really understand the grace of God, we have to embrace the concept that grace is dangerous. I did not just take a drink for a dramatic pause. I'm going to be taking drinks regularly because I have to do that uh, as a part of my, uh, I was going to say recovery, but then you all be concerned with me. Um, uh, uh, Well, whatever. So um, the grace of God through Jesus Christ can't be contained. Do you agree? Say Amen. The grace of God through Jesus will directly affect the way that you live your life. Is that true or false? It's absolutely true. The grace of God, if it doesn't directly affect the way you do your job, the way you commute to your job, the way you treat your wife, the way you talk to your kids, if it doesn't directly affect the way that you treat people at Target, then the grace of God is not activated in your life. And so the grace of God has to affect the way you live. We see a demonstration of that in Mark chapter 1 as we're looking at verse 40 through 45. We're going to read it together and then we'll go back and look at it just a a line or two at a time uh, as we go through this. I'm reading From my NIV, so follow along on the screen or follow along in your Bible. A man with leprosy came to him, that means came to Jesus, and begged him on his knees, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cured. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. By the way, every time that Jesus heals somebody in the Bible and it's read out loud, somebody should say amen, right? Because he healed somebody, which means if he, if he did it for him, then what's to stop him from doing it for you, right? That's the God that we serve. So see, uh, Jesus said with a strong warning to him, see that you, verse 44, see to it that you don't tell anyone, but go and show yourself to the priest and offer sacrifices that Moses commanded uh, for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Don't get hung up in what does that all mean? It's just, in other words, follow the rules of healing according to the Old Testament. That's what he's telling him. Well, instead, (laughs) don't you love that word? Instead, the guy did just the opposite. Instead, he went out and he began to talk freely, spreading the news. And as a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. So we're going to take a look at this short story, this miracle, one line at a time. Break it apart. You're going to get something today that I believe you're going to be able to digest and use in real time where you live, and it's going to impact you. So the only the only word that I can really give you as we start the next 40 minutes is get ready, get ready, get ready. Here we go. Verse number 40. A man with leprosy came, listen, a man with leprosy came to him. Let's uh, I looked in the other Gospels. This is Mark. Mark was the first of the four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the four Gospels, the stories of Jesus, the stories that were recorded. It's the same story from different vantage points from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And Mark was actually, even though it's not the first one in the Bible, Matthew is, Mark was the first one by far that was actually written down. It's the first one that was recorded. Mark is a highlight book. It's, it's a headlines book. It's not a details book. And so when I saw this story, I thought, well, I need to go look at the other gospels. And I need to find out what the other gospels say about this man who had leprosy. I mean, what color were his eyes? Uh, what was his family background? What color was his hair? Uh, was there anything unique about him? I'd like to know more about this guy, but I couldn't find anything else about this guy. When, in fact, Mark doesn't even, <laughs> he doesn't even tell us this guy's name. We don't even know his name. I'd like to know his, wouldn't you like to know his name? I'd like to know his name. He doesn't tell us his name. The only thing we do know about this guy is we know his condition. And his condition is he has leprosy. This goes to show that sometimes your identity can be consumed by your condition. Oh, man, that's good. Sometimes your identity can be consumed by your issues. Has that ever happened to you before? Have you ever become known by more by what's wrong with you than what your potential is? Has that ever happened to you? And it happened to somebody. Maybe one of your kids—they become known more by what they did wrong than by the potential that our great and mighty God has for them. If that's happened to you, then I believe with everything inside of me that you're in the right place today, because that is not how God sees you. You are not known by your condition. You are not known by God by your issue. Oh, yeah, that's the one that has leprosy. No, that's not how God knows you. Uh, In fact, that's not how we know you. That's not how we're setting out here at New Life Church to know you. You're a human being. You've been grafted in the vine. You've been bought with a great price. God has, he has his stamp on your heart. He loves you and he wants to pull greatness out of your life. There's potential in you. So many people are losing a sense of self because their issue runs so deep they've been consumed and they no longer have their own identity. They've been consumed by their issue. It's not what God has planned for us. Remember Moses, Moses, when he met God, God was calling Moses to, to go into the, uh, to, to Pharaoh and say, let my people go and go through the whole, the whole ordeal. Uh, when God called Moses, God spoke to Moses through a burning bush. Y'all remember that. The bush was burning, but the bush wasn't consumed. There's kind of a word in that for us. God wants uh, to set us on fire. Uh, but the only thing he's going to consume is the chaff in our lives, is the, is the, 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 the demonic, evil side that we had. Uh, but God doesn't want to consume your identity. When God introduced himself to Moses, Moses is like, hey, what's your name? And God says, I am. And I, I can just kind of picture Moses going, what's the rest of the sentence? I am what? And I, I kind of feel like if there was banter, I feel like God would go, exactly. Because what God, what God is saying is, I will not change. What God is saying is, what you will need, it's going to be different in different seasons of your life. What you need today isn't necessarily what you're going to need tomorrow. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Yes? Yes? So whatever you need, God is saying, "I already am." Whatever you need, it, I already will be. In other words, before you know you have a need, God says, "I am. I am the solution. I I am. I am the answer." Aren't you grateful for our omnipotent, all powerful, our omniscient, all all knowing God? Can someone say Amen? Yes, I'm grateful for that. That's the God that we serve. He knows. He knows what you need, and he can be what you need. A lot of people know what you need, but they can't be what you need. Uh, You know that. uh, Some people know what you need, but they can't be. Only God can simultaneously know what you need and be what you need. Look at the person next to you and say, you can't be what I need. It's true. Listen, some of you looked at the person you love more than anything in life. And you just got done telling, and and what you told them is the truth. They can't—they can't be what you need. Not in every season. They might come close at times but they can't be what you need in every, I need a God who is aware of my secrets and my most intimate issues and still makes the decision to love me. No makeup on, even with all my failures. I need a God who will choose me in spite, or excuse me, will choose me not just in spite of my flaws, but because of my flaws. That's the God that I need. I need a God who will cause in my life all things to work together for good because I've been called according to his purpose in Christ. Anybody else need that? kind of a god i need a god who will love me unconditionally and will guide me through the treacheries of this present darkness i need a god who will show up in the midst of my broken praise i need a god who will will make my weakness his strength that's the god that is what god is to me is that what god is to you this morning that's what god is to me this man was given no name Not coming out like going, baby. It's like a horse race. Here we go. Because we got some things to talk about in this story, and we're only in verse number one. This man has no name. We know his issue, but we do not know his name. And just one more time to say it, because his identity is completely consumed by his issue. And his issue is what? Come on then. Leprosy. It's a disease for which at that time, at that juncture in in human history, there was no cure. It was a deadly skin disease that would rot your body away slowly, had a lot of other side effects. Now it's curable. At that time, it was no cure for it. So this man, because of his deadly skin disease, has been regulated, has been confined, has been quarantined to have to live outside the outside corners of society. He has to be alone. He has no human contact, no normal human relationships. He's been forced to live in isolation. So now's the time I want you to turn in your Bibles over Leviticus chapter 13, but keep it marked in Mark chapter one, if you would, please. Leviticus chapter 13. We're just going to look at a verse or two in just a second. But Leviticus 13 kind of defines the situation of how this guy would be living. And I really need us to understand how desperate this guy is, how tough this guy's life is. This is not easy. This is really, really hard. Now, the book of, book of Leviticus is not what you call a page-turner. <laughs> the book of Leviticus starts off the first 12 chapters, reads more like a keto diet book. It's all about, the, it's all about how you eat and what you should eat and what you can't eat and when you can eat it and when you can't eat it. It's kind of like 12 chapters of, wow. Inspirational. It really doesn't feel inspirational when you read it. And then, beginning at verse number thirteen, it's more like a dermatology manual. I helped my daughter when when we went through uh, when she went through cosmetology class, and we studied a lot together. It kind of reminds me of the cosmetology uh, state board exams. It's just dermatology stuff. Over, it's really crazy. So, if you're into that kind of stuff, have a good time. But but Leviticus is not usually where you turn for a lot of daily inspiration. Now, it's a great book. God ordained it, and it's used as a tool, oftentimes for reference in this point. Because I wanna know, regarding to leprosy, what it means for this guy to live in that state. So Leviticus chapter 13, look at two verses. They'll be on the screen too, verse 45 and verse 46. A person with such an infectious disease, that's talking about leprosy, must wear torn clothes, let his hair be unkempt. Unkempt means uncover. his. not not just like, but it means means uncovered your head because your head had to be covered in normal society. But in other words, um, the law... Is saying you gotta stick out like a sore thumb in society if you've got this disease. So you gotta wear torn clothes, let your hair be unkempt. Um, continuing on to verse number uh, 45, uh, you've gotta cover your lower part of your face and cry out, unclean, unclean, so that everybody around you, it's like a scarlet letter on you if you know what I'm talking about, everybody around you knows that you have a deadly skin disease and you're contagious. How embarrassing would that be? Men, as long as he has the infection, he remains unclean. So he must live alone. He must live outside the camp. So you've got to live outside the camp, you can't have any company, you've got to wear these torn clothes, seems ridiculous, but nobody else wears torn clothes. So they know, if they didn't hear you say, unclean, unclean, they see the torn clothes. If they didn't see the torn clothes, they see that your hair is not covered. Oh, there's some freaking going on with that guy. And if, they, if your face is halfway covered, that's all signs that you have a deadly contagious skin disease called leprosy. Now get back to Mark chapter one verse number forty. Turn back there. Now we understand a little bit more. It starts off saying this in the story: a man with leprosy. Now, I, now maybe you understand the significance of this verse. It doesn't list the guy's name. A man with leprosy who had no name came to him who was the name above every other name. Listen, the Holy Spirit told me to tell you when I was drafting this message that whatever name your issue has, there is a name that is above that name. And and the name of Jesus will cause that name, the name of your issue, to take (laughs) a knee and bow in the presence of our great and mighty God. Verse forty says, "This leprous man that is not named came to Jesus." Oh, oh snap! He did it all wrong. This should have never happened. I mean, if you it, you, it, you don't know this unless you unpack it because remember, Mark gives it to us in like a headlines version, and I'm giving it to you in the more of a more of a little bit more so we understand it. This guy broke every religious rule. Now, in that culture, religious rules and legal rules were synonymous. So if you broke a religious rule, you broke the law, and if you broke the law, there's a consequence, and the consequence to breaking the law is the same as the consequence to breaking the religious rule, and in this case, if you come to somebody without torn clothes, without unkempt head, without covering your face, without hollering unclean, if you come to somebody, uh, you are going, you're breaking the law, and the consequence is you can be stoned to death, they'll take you outside the city, and they'll, they're going to put you to death by beating you with rocks until you die. But this guy came to Jesus. He broke. He didn't announce as unclean. Uncle, he didn't do that. He came to Jesus. He didn't keep the appropriate distance either. Because when you're when you're when you've got leprosy, when you're leprous, you got to stay back. Now you might not have the skin disease of leprosy, but you might know exactly how he feels you got to stay back because why? Because you're contagious. Now, I don't think this law, the religious law or the legal law that says that he has to do all these things uh, was against him. I actually think it was a compassionate law. It sounds kind of cruel, but it probably was compassionate because they didn't have antibiotics, right? They didn't understand bacteria. They didn't understand transference and all. They just knew that if you got too close, somebody else would get it. And in fact, what they would call it in that age was a demon, a demon would transfer from one to the other. Really, what it was it was physical contact, and the bacteria would transfer from one, but it's a very contagious disease. And so, I don't blame them for having that. Kind of like as a parent. As a parent, you are charged by God, in my opinion, and, I, and according to really scripture, so I take my opinion out of this, you're charged by God to dial in some relationships and to dial out some relationships with your children. So, your kids bring home, you know, they're young, and they bring a friend home, and you're like, oh, it's good to meet you, right on. And you learn more about the child, and you dial that child out of their life. Sometimes you just have to say the word no. Other times you just have to kind of redirect the child and make sure they get connected. Listen, that's not bad. That's called good parenting. It's not that you don't like that child. It's not that you don't care about that child. It's that God's given you the responsibility to raise your children. And that child doesn't have the same values as your child does. And if you allow that to continue, what will happen is the values of that child will transfer into your family very rapidly and then you've got some damage to, to repair so you dial in relationships and you dial out relationships. And you can look at me like that's really mean and cruel, um, but it's not. It's the right thing to do. Now, depending on how close you, that doesn't mean you're, you don't teach your children to minister other kids. Of course we do. But we dial in relationships and we dial out relationships. And we dial in some relationships really well, too. if They have similar values to our family and so forth. Now, if you realize that your kid is that kid. <laughs> yeah, well, there's a problem there. So we can give you some help. This man with leprosy came to Jesus. You know what the law said? The law said you had to stay 50 paces away. 50 paces away. If you got within 50 paces, you could be stoned to death. One, two, three, four, five. We're just going to check this out. Six, seven, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. You know what, Matt? I thought about calling this message 50 Steps to Grace. You know, like 50 shades, of, you know, 21, 22, 23. I know my wife. 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 20, so a long way, 20, 30, 31, 32, 33, 34, 35, 36, 37. Are you awkward? 38, 39, 40, 41, 42, 43, 44, 45, 46, 47, 48, 49, 50. Okay, you can look because I'm going to be back here for a second. It's good for you. 50 paces away. That's how far this guy had to stay away from anybody. There's only one exception. He was allowed to go to church. Culture said that you were allowed to go to church if when you went to church, to church, to synagogue, when you went to church, uh, you had you had to stay behind, behind a screen. And when you were at church, you stayed behind the screen, and you were... Why? Because nobody wanted to catch what you had. And they thought that if you stayed behind the screen, uh, if you stayed back in the darkness, um, that that you wouldn't be contagious. Aren't you thankful at New Life Church that we don't seat you according to what we perceive that you have when you come into the... Aren't you, aren't you thankful for that? Amen. Yes. In a way, this leper had an advantage over a lot of us. His issue was on the outside. Uh, a lot of us don't have visible spots on our skin, but we have invisible spots on our souls. Yeah, sure we do. Insecurities, discouragement... Nobody knows. Anger, it's out of control. Jealousy, lust, depression, unforgiveness. And the thing about these invisible spots is you can be in church, but you're sitting behind a screen. Nobody knows. And the problem with being behind the screen is it, it keeps other people from seeing you the way you really are. But it also, it also keeps you from seeing God the way he really is. So you come to church, but you, you fight the presence of God. I'm not gonna let the that song prick my heart and, and, and cause I'm not gonna let any emotion be shown whatsoever. I'm not about to 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 lift my praise up to God in a meaningful outward way play it off. You're behind the screen. And when you're behind the screen, you go to church, but you're not really there. When you're behind the screen, you come home from work, but you're not really home emotionally. You're actually still at work in your heart. Listen, the devil has got a lot of us hiding behind behind screens. We're hiding behind screens, and in an age where we have so many ways to communicate, we're impotent to intimacy because intimacy requires proximity. In other words, you got to come out from behind the screen. And this man had to come out from behind. Behind, I don't care what you look at it, but we've got families that are communicating with each other, sitting next to each other on the couch. you got to come out from behind the screen. And so this guy has a decision to make. Am I gonna keep on living the way that I'm living in this miserable existence and die? Am I gonna stay here? And he, and he has to make a decision. And in a moment's notice, he makes the decision to go for it. So what does he do? I can't imagine. He's not gonna yell unclean. He's not dressed the proper way. The Bible says... He came to Jesus. So many problems in the way, so many burdens, and so many obstacles, just like you. So, what's he do? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. 18, 19, 20. You know what? If I keep going, just maybe Jesus will heal me so I can hold my baby girl. 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30. I don't know if I'm going to make it or not. They can stone me to death for bringing, uh, for daring to bring my defiled self in the presence of the undefiled. 31, 32, 33, 34, 35, 36, 37, 38, 39, 40. I'm so desperate. I don't care how it looks. I don't care what it costs me. 41, 42, 43, 44, 45, 46, 47, 48, 49, 49. 50, I'm closer to here than I am to there. So I'm, I'm going to go for it. Jesus, if you are willing, will you heal me? I don't think it was the 50 steps. I think it was the 51st step. I think it was when he humbled himself and brought it out of the darkness and into the light that God decided that healing was going to be his. And so this man walks the 50 paces to Jesus. And in essence, he's saying, I I, I heard that you could heal. I I heard about what you did in church just last week when a demon began to screech out at you and, and you said, be quiet, come out of him. And I thought to myself, if you can do that to him, you can surely heal me of this disease. I love that attitude. Because if Jesus ever did anything for anyone, then why won't he do it for you? Yeah. If you're the one that I've heard of, the Holy One of God, will you heal me? And he knelt before Jesus in humility and he made his request known to God. He's no longer hiding behind the screen. He decided he was gonna take a risk and that risk had either a reward or it was gonna be bad. And he knew that he had faith that it was gonna, he just wasn't gonna keep his life in secret anymore. That is why, listen to me, that is why people come to church and they do not get healed. If you will humble yourself under the hand of our great and mighty God and bring things out of the darkness and bring them into the light, tell him your issues, because God already knows your issues. He just wants you to know that you know the issue that he already knows about you. If you will bring it out of the darkness and into the light. Remember that prayer we teach kids? I think it goes like this. God is... Good, God is great. God is great, God is good. Now we thank him for our food, right? Here's what I know. As a pastor, as a dad, as a, as a man, it's a whole lot easier. to As a Christian, it's a whole lot easier to tell people um, and have them receive that God is great. There's very few people that don't, won't accept that. God is great. God is all-powerful. God created the earth. God created the oceans. God created the seas. It's pretty easy to get people to agree that God is great, but it is very difficult to get people to understand and to agree that God is good because God is great means he created the seas. God is good means he'll part the sea for me. God is great means God created the ocean. God is good, that means he'll calm it for me in the midst of my problem. That means it's personal to me. God is good means that it's real to me. It's easy to believe that God is great. God can make the ocean. We know that God can heal. That's God is great. But will he? That's God is good. We know that God can deliver. That's God is great. But will he? That's God is good. We know that God can save. That's God is great. But will he? That's God is good. And so verse number 41 Filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. For Jesus to touch this man, he had to risk catching this deadly disease. That's, pretty, that's a pretty big deal. Some of you won't even high five your neighbor in church without putting hand sanitizer on afterwards, right? But Jesus touched this man, and I can hear the religious leaders going, you can't do that. You can you can't touch this man because if the if the unclean touches the clean then the clean is going to become unclean I mean, they're freaking out about this. You just, it's happening right there in the midst of, the, in the context of what's going on. But remember, Moses spoke to the burning bush and God said, uh, and he's like, what's your name? And God's like, I am, guess what? Jesus, the living son of God, God incarnate, God in flesh, wrapped in flesh, is standing before this man and he reaches out and he touches him. This is the I am which was spoken of in that burning Bush to Moses, some fifteen hundred years earlier than that. Jesus is not worried about catching what you've got. (laughs) He's not going to catch what you've got. Listen, here's the deal: if you if you get close enough, if you come out from behind the curtain, out from behind the screen, out from behind the veil. You come out of the darkness and you make your way to Jesus. The closer you get to Jesus, his righteousness will rub off on you. Why? Because God's grace is more contagious than your sin is. Grace is more contagious than sin. Come on, somebody. Shout for that one. Thank God that grace is more contagious than my sin. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what, where you've been. It doesn't matter what they've called you. It doesn't matter. Listen, it doesn't matter about any of that. It, none of that matters. God is not concerned about it. You are not what they said. It doesn't matter what you look like. You are not what you did. My Bible says that whom the Son has set free is free indeed. You are the righteousness of God. Somebody need to shout to God this morning because that's who we are in the name of God. Listen, he's got a plan for your life. I've heard this I am, I am the bread of life. I've heard that. I am uh, the resurrection and the life. Jackson, I've heard that one. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the light of the world. You see, we've heard these before, but I don't know that I've ever recognized this one before. Look at verse number 41 again up on the, up on the screen. Look at that, In the middle line over to the right. I am willing. So God's name is Will. That's not true, but I am willing. I just proved to you that God is good. Because God is great over here, but will He? If God ever did anything, if Jesus ever did anything for anybody, what's to stop Him from doing it for you? I am willing. I am willing. I am willing. He touched the man. When he touched the man, this, this is the first human touch this guy has felt in, I don't know, decades. Wow. How did that feel? How do you think that felt to him? Jesus wants to touch us today. Spiritually, he wants to touch us today. He, 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 don't let shame keep you from hearing the words, I am willing now, you probably heard me read from my Bible, and when I read from my Bible, you, you heard me read uh, a different word uh, than, than, than you have in your Bible. Um, I, I read the words filled with compassion in verse number 41, but on the screen, it says Jesus was indignant, and you're like, well, Troy must have made a mistake. You know, he's getting old. My Bible is the NIV, and what's on the screen is the NIV. NIV is a translation of the Bible directly from the Greek, the Hebrew, and the Aramaic. And so scholars have come together, they've translated out of a vocabulary in the Greek language, which is vastly superior to the English language, and they've translated the best they could um, directly word for word. So my NIV Bible is the older version of the NIV from, the, from 1984. I just like it, because I've had it for a long time, and my notes are in it. I've got to keep on using it. but there are, some, there are some changes. And this translation that you see is the most recent translation in 2011. When scholars come together to translate the Bible, this is a big deal. I don't want you to think that there's a couple of guys that, well, I think maybe that means. <laughs> that's not how it works. I have a friend of ours that's a scholar, um, very intelligent, biblically speaking. Uh, very uh, in tune with the Greek uh, language. He sat on a team, a a committee, there were 11 of them, and in six months they translated effectively one verse of the Bible. It literally takes hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of scholars to translate the Bible. Bible. Now, you've heard about people, like for Wycliffe Bible translators, that are translating into languages. They're translating it often not directly from the Greek. They're translating it from their their dominant language. So from the English language to the, I don't know, language of the Zimbabweans. All right? Um, And so they translate it into that. And it's not bad. They're giving them the word of God. But when you talk about an actual translation of the Bible, it takes a lot of work. And so what happened was in the 84 version, they translated it and that Jesus filled with compassion. And in the 2011, they said Jesus was indignant. And so which one is it? Well, the Greek word for this phrase is, I'm going to teach you a Greek word. Are you ready for this? Uh, We're going to use our education this morning. You're actually going to say it in a few minutes. It's splenitsomai. Everybody say it with me. Splenitsomai. Splanitsomai. splenizomai, say it, splenizomai. Let's say it together like we're intelligent. Splenitsumai. say it like we're Italian. Splenitsumai. I don't know, it's not really Italian, just splenitsumai. It's a Greek word, and this Greek word has a meaning, and this is the meaning of it. This is where we get into trouble because it's hard to translate because the, the one word has this meaning. Where one of our words is like, you know, red. It means red, right? Um, and so we've got this vast meaning. Splenizomai is it's the place that you really feel something. It refers to the gut. Some people, some scholars even say like the bowels, where you feel something. So let's call it the gut. It sounds a little bit better. So the gut. Where do you feel it? I mean, you're getting ready. To con- somebody just confronted you. Where do you feel it at first? Yeah, right here, right? Something happens in you. What do you feel? You feel it right here. It might manifest itself coming out of this thing, but you feel it right here. It's where you feel things. So was Jesus full of compassion? Or was Jesus indignant, angry, upset, frustrated? Which one was it? Both. He was both. What we have to understand is when you have leprosy, The first thing, the way it manifests, is you begin to lose feeling in your extremities. Your fingers go numb, your toes go numb, and before long, as the disease progresses, not only do parts of your skin literally begin to fall off and chafe off, and you can even lose fingers that just fall off. It's a terrible disease, suffering, horrible disease, but before that happens, your entire body goes numb. You don't, have, you don't have sensation anymore, which is why it's very painful to begin with, but eventually the numbness takes over. So you're full. That's what leprosy is. And so this man who is completely numb, get this, is touched by our savage Savior who feels for him. The same thing happens to us. We can go completely numb to the atrocities in this inside-out, upside-down world every day. Babies being killed legally. We go numb to it. The redefining of marriage, which, by the way, is between one man and one woman. The homosexual agenda. And I'm not against people. I'm against the agenda. Follow that. The human trafficking, we go numb to it. The, the child abuse that takes place, we go numb to it. The mass killings, how many have we gone through in the last couple of years? And before long, you just begin to turn the channel. After we hear it daily, we tend to go numb. But here's the problem with going numb, Christ followers. When we go numb it's dangerous because when you go numb, a small cut on your body, will no, it won't be noticed, it won't be treated, it will become infected, the infection will spread to the rest of your body, and it could ultimately take your life. It could end your existence. It could kill you when we go numb. So a question I have is, have you, have you gone numb? Have you gone numb? Do you not feel the things that hurt the heart of God anymore about yourself about what's going on in your world? Does sin not bring about a feeling of splenitzomai? Does it not bring about a feeling of compassion for those that are hurting and yet indignance? That's it, that's the key here. I want my heart to break over my sin. I want my heart to break over my family. I want my heart to break over my church. I want my heart to break over our city and over our nation. Oh God, I want my heart to break over the things that break your heart. my. I don't want to go through life living behind screens, living behind phone screens. I don't want to go through life numb in my existence. Cast me not away from your presence, oh Lord. Renew a right spirit in me. Jesus felt it for this man. I mean, he felt it. We know he had compassion toward him. We know that. But why was he indignant? I asked myself that question. There's a couple of options. One of those options might be um, Jesus was indignant because of the system that had suppressed this guy, that had restricted this guy, that kept him behind the, the screen, that didn't offer healing, help, help to this man, maybe. But I tend to think that the reason Jesus was indignant was because, <laughs> because of what this guy was going to do. Um, Jesus told him not to tell anybody, and Jesus, being all-knowing, knew that he was going to go right out and tell everybody exactly what Jesus had done. So I think there's a little bit of indignance probably. Wouldn't you be that way if you looked at your child right in the eyes and said, don't do this? And you knew darn well that they were just going to go right out and do that. Some of you are like, you just defined last night for me is what you did, Troy. Um, you'd be indignant. So what did Jesus do in his indignance with this man, knowing that he was going to go out and sin and do exactly the opposite of what Jesus told him to do? Well, verse number 42. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cured. He was healed. Hallelujah. And verse 43, Jesus sent him away with one strong warning. Again, we've got weak English language, it's very weak, with With a with a strong warning. It, it reads differently. Uh, that's amazing, there's music playing and there's nobody there. <laughs> that's a little freaky, isn't it? <laughs> a strong warning. This is what it actually says. It, 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 this is what it says. Jesus charged the man with flared nostrils. Another scholar says that it reads this way. Jesus snorted at the guy. We don't like snorting, Jesus. We like safe, Jesus. Isn't that true, right? We don't like angry, Jesus, right? Jesus was was indignant. He was upset. And he looks at the guy with flared nostrils. It's quite a picture. And Jesus is telling this guy, don't you tell Jesus anyone (laughs) what i've done for you why is he so angry why is he so intense about this why because jesus is 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 putting this together because if you tell people what's going on they're only going to come to me to fix their issues and my mission to come to planet earth was not to fix all their issues but to save their souls i've got to go to the cross Jesus knew this man would do exactly the opposite of what he told him to do, even with flare, nostrils, snorting and all. And Jesus healed him anyway. Jesus knew that when you walked the aisle or you bowed your head or you took him, went on bended knee and to give your life, surrender to him as Lord and Savior, that probably by the time you got home again, you'd blow it but he saved you anyway. Aren't you thankful for that? I'm so thankful for that. 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 So thankful for that. Verses 44 and 45 or we're gonna conclude here. See to it, you don't tell anyone, but then go and show yourself to the priest, offer sacrifices, Moses commanded, you know, which follow the rules of the law, um, what you need to do, and then verse 45, instead, he went out and he began to talk freely, spreading the news you know i can kind of understand why he did that because you know when god has touched you you can't keep it to yourself does anybody agree with that when god's touched you you nobody has to give me a class on evangelism when god has touched my heart when god has healed my body when he saved my soul nobody has to tell me what to do i'm just going to tell somebody that's what we do but because this man did tell everybody there was a consequence look at this as a result jesus could no longer enter a town openly But he stayed outside in lonely places. But he stayed outside in lonely, yet the people still came to him from everywhere. You see it? It says, Jesus stayed outside in lonely places. When this story started, don't dial out. When this story started, the leper was in a lonely place. And Jesus, Jesus was in Capernaum. I mean, he had just driven out a demon in church. He had a lot of friends then. He was a hero. When the story started, the leper was all alone outside the camp, but by the time the story was over, Jesus was where the leper belonged. Jesus had traded places in this kind of a great exchange, giving his all for this man. I hope you're getting this. Jesus did not just heal the man's skin, he took the man's place. And therein is the message of the gospel in five verses. That's why I praise Him. That's why I'm commi- I've committed my entire life to Him. The rest of my life is committed to my King because He took my place. He took my place. I, I deserve damnation. I deserve hell. I deserve punishment. I deserve the penalty. Everybody, He took my place. He became sin who knew no sin so that we might become the righteousness of God Let me pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, by the power of the Spirit, and according to your holy word, I declare that we will no longer be comfortable behind the screen when God has called us into the light. Oh God, we come to you today in humility and we need your touch. And we need to know, are you willing? And God, according to your word, we know that the answer is, I am willing. And so today, God, whether we need healing or deliverance or freedom or strength, we come to you in humility. Now with heads bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around, please. It's time for some of you to come out of the darkness. It's, it's, listen, it's a lonely place to live in the darkness. It doesn't mean you don't have a relationship with God. It, it, it just means in this era of your life, you, you tend to think that nobody knows, and I am here to tell you that is not true. The only one that really counts knows, and his name is Jesus, he knows. He just wants you to know that you know, so that you can be forgiven. Not guilty. Not condemned, not judged, forgiven. And then once forgiven, redirected, put on the right path. What is it that you have in the darkness? What is it that you have hidden behind the screen? I'm going to just call some things out today. Some of y'all got to stop. You're behind, the, you're, you're, you're stuck, you're, you're behind the screen. And your, your jealousy is just so strong Uh, some of you your your judgment is so strong you can't you can't have a meal with somebody without talking about somebody else that's you got to bring that out of the dark oh I'm just kidding yeah how long you gonna play that devilish game bring it out of the darkness bring it into the light take it to God some of you are so stuck so stuck in 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 lust you won't stop and and you're you're sure this is a harmless thing nobody's gonna know what I'm looking at on the screen I mean nobody's it's not I'm not hurting anybody it's a harmless thing am I entitled to a little bit no no why because it's destroying you you've got this stuck in the darkness and it's time to bring confess it unto God Confess it to God and come out of the bondage and come into the marvelous light. God wants to help you. He is not waiting to thump you. He is waiting to heal you. Some of you are so stuck in the way that you think that you're stuck in greed and and you're stuck in, I've gotta be popular, and I've gotta have. Don't get stuck in that. Don't get stuck in that. Come out of the darkness. I don't know what it is, but I know everybody's got something it's time to guys it's time eyes still closed but it's time it's time to come out of the darkness it's time to take the 50 steps toward grace it's time to in humility bring it to god and it's time to confess it you don't want to just say um you know you know god no tell him he wants you to know that you know because when you know that you know it's more likely that you're not going to go back down that dark path again this is not easy but here's what I'm going to do I'm going to count to three and you don't have 50 steps to take you might have 10 steps to take I'm going to count to three and I know that I know that the Holy Spirit of Almighty God is dealing with you on our early weekend gathering in Stockton there wasn't a single person left in the, in the crowd In our first gathering today there was hardly a person left in the crowd and I just got to believe this crowd isn't a whole lot different so what you're doing, if it's hurting the heart of God, quit ignoring it. Quit excusing it. Quit, quit thinking that God's going to give you a wink and a nudge. It's not that he hates you, but he loves you too much to let you keep going down that path. He wants you. Listen, he sees greatness in you, and he wants to pull it out of you. He sees potential in you. And that issue that you've got, that you're thinking about right now, That issue does not define you. You have a name. And the name that you have is son of God. The name that you have is daughter of God. The name that you have is, is grafted into the vine. The name that you have is bought with a great price. The name that you have royalty in your veins. That's the name that God's given you. And he's identifying you not by your issue, but your issue is keeping you from your greatness. One. When I get to three, I just want you to stand and make the long walk. Imagine what it took for this guy. You're not gonna get stoned to death. You might feel like it's scary, like someone's gonna judge you. Maybe that's part of the issue. You're too concerned about what other people think. Two. And when I get to the final number in just a second, I want you to stand up courageously and not hesitate and make your way to this altar. And we're gonna pray a prayer as we close this gathering together. Are you ready? Three, here we go. Don't hesitate, don't look around, just get up and make your way to the altar today. 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 Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Can we turn on this? hallelujah Jesus Jesus I
1: Jesus may be weak, Jesus but your Jesus strong Jesus me. my flesh may fail but my God you never will give me faith yes God to trust what you say that you're good and your love is great. Yes, God. God, I'm broken inside. Break us, God. I give you my life. Yes.
0: Now, right where you're at, right where you're at, I think it's imperative that we not just come, but we somehow express our humility to God. And So I don't care if you kneel. I don't care if you lift your hands. I don't care what it is for you, but I think it needs to be outside of your comfort zone, whatever that is, because I can't imagine what this man felt as he was making his way to Jesus and bows in humility at the feet of our savage Savior and asks him for healing. So let's right now, whatever that is, lift your hands, bow before him. I don't care what it is, but I want you to show him, show him, right? Come on now, show him. I wouldn't ask you to do nothing that I don't do myself. Show him your humility today. Show him, show him your desperate state today. Show him how much you love him today. Oh God, oh God, we need you today. Oh God, we need you today. We've made our way. God, we've, we've, we've bypassed the feelings of, of fear and anxiety, and we made our way to you, Lord. And God, we bow before you, God. We lift our hands in humility before you, God. And we ask you, Lord, I, I need to be healed. Uh, if you're willing, would you heal me? And he says, I am willing. God I need to be delivered these choices that I'm making these choices are just they're killing me and I got to bring it out of the darkness I got to bring it into the light and if you were willing would you deliver me and he says I am willing And, and you Lord I need to be free this thing has been shackling me for far too long and I'm asking will you free me and he says I I am freedom Lord, I need strength. I need strength to make it through. I don't know if I can go another day. And will you give me the strength? he says, I am your strength. I am willing. Now what I want you to do right now, there's a process for this. The first thing is, it's time to confess. And so I want you to actually tell the Lord. Now, I don't need you to say it out loud. If you do, just whisper so nobody can hear you. But I need you to actually tell the Lord out of the darkness and into the light what you're talking about. And I don't think it's okay for you to say, you know. Instead, make it clear. Let him know. Don't excuse it away. Don't be like, you know what, God, it's been tough for me and da-da-da-da. Don't do that. Just tell him the truth. And let's do that right now. Anthony, would you sing again while they begin to do this? Tell him. Tell him.
1: Yes, God.
0: Come on. Be honest. Be honest. Man, when you got the stomach flu, you don't want to just let it a little out. You want to let it all out. You'll feel a whole lot better when that yucky comes out of you. So just confess it to God. And you know that one thing might take you down a path to think Satan? You might think of something else. That's not your thoughts. That's the Holy Spirit working in you and directing you in the right way. Oh God, oh God, forgive me, Lord. Lord, help me, God. Deliver me, God. Oh, heal me, God. Lord, strengthen me, God. We need freedom in this place today, God. Lord, we ask for your help today, God. Jesus, Never failed. Never failed. hallelujah now I want you to ask him a question God I just told you what it is and I, I'm, I'm, I'm asking for your help so ask him this question are you willing just, just say it are you willing and then I need you to hear as if you were looking Jesus eyeball to eyeball tears streaming down your face and confidence just riddled in his being and he's looking at you and he's saying I am willing Be clean and immediately the leprosy the spots on the outside immediately the leprosy the spots on the inside it says left him and he was cured hallelujah hallelujah you mean i don't have to go through a seven step no you don't have to go through it. listen immediately if he did it for him he will do it for you and it says immediately left him and he was cured and he was cured Hallelujah. But we're not done yet. Because far too often what happens is we get cured and then we go right back into the same lifestyle again. So here's what we're gonna do for our final, final thing before I give you a homework assignment. And this final thing is you're gonna pray. Troy's not gonna pray. You're gonna pray. And you're gonna say to God, okay, God, I believe that you're willing. I believe that it is finished. I believe that you did it and you paid the price. But now, God, I need to know what do I do next? Dangerous question. That's a savage question, is what that is. Because when you ask the question, "What do I do next?" He might just tell you. In fact, I know He's going to tell you what. What should you do next? And what you do next might be painful. And you might be like, "Yeah, I just really can't. That doesn't seem reasonable. I can't do it." Listen, you listen to God, because He is the author and the finisher of your faith. He's got everything in control, in the center of the palm of His hand, and He wants you to trust Him today. God, what do I do next? Maybe, maybe you won't hear from God, but in, uh, exactly what to do. But God will point you that you need to talk to somebody now it's not good to talk to Jethro who has a worse marriage than you do about how to heal your marriage you need to talk to somebody who can really help you godly counsel and so pray say God what do you want me to do next maybe it's make that phone call you've had that card for the counseling center for a long time maybe it's make that phone call say okay God I got to talk to somebody Maybe, maybe maybe you're supposed to uh, read that, that book and maybe you're supposed to get into your word and maybe you're supposed to set, it, set aside your phone, turn off your Wi-Fi for I don't know a month. Oh I could never survive. I don't know we did like 25 years ago so maybe you can survive today and, and, and maybe you're supposed to set it aside maybe you're supposed to dial into the word. Maybe God's going to tell you what to do. Maybe you're not supposed to be in that relationship that you're in with that friend of yours that's draining you and you're supposed to take a break from it. Maybe you're supposed to step away from that lifestyle of sin that you're living right now, and you're supposed to say, we're not doing this anymore. Maybe you're supposed to make some serious strides toward holiness, because Jesus loves you that much. He doesn't tell you to do something because he hates you. He tells you to do something because he wants to spare you the pain, the agony, the turmoil of living in that stuff. So, I'm going to give you about 45 seconds to one minute, and you're going to pray that prayer. The prayer is simple. What do I do now? And then listen to God.
1: Give me faith to trust what you say. Yes, God. That you're good and your love is great. What do I do now? What do I do now? Listen. Listen to God.
0: Options that are going through your mind right now um, it's its definitely going to be the one that is the hardest I hope you heard that it's not going to be the one that's the easiest that's a, tr- that's a step of faith and so trust God and your final assignment is homework and it's simple when you go home today I want you to write down what you prayed at the altar listen to me, look at my eyes you can look up here now I want you to write down what you prayed at the altar, and then I want you to write down what you agreed that you you, you would do with God. Now, you don't have to, listen, we're living in a day where you can take your phone and speak it, you don't have to actually write it, but put it somewhere so you can read it, keep it before you, because you made a promise, God made a promise, you made another promise, and God's gonna fulfill that promise. This is how our great mighty God works. Aren't you thankful today? me too. Me too. God, thank you for what you've done. Thank you for the testimonies that are going to come out of this. Thank you, God, for your faithfulness to us. We bless you and we thank you for blessing us. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you. May he lift up his countenance upon you. May he give you rest And may he give you peace as you celebrate our savage Savior. Amen? Amen, amen, amen. God bless you, friends.